happy Father's Day. Uh, you know, being a dad is a beautiful thing. Um, and I think uh, every dad uh, should know how important their role is in the life of their kids. And uh, I have loved being a dad, now being a granddad, and, and have really even taken my role here at the church uh, to be a spiritual dad to this house. Uh, so, you know, the Apostle Paul said, uh, there's not many fathers. You have lots of teachers, but there's not many fathers. And so, um, so yeah, so uh, anybody that wants me to be their spiritual dad, here I am. Love you guys. And uh, just believe, I believe in the power of that. I believe it's a beautiful thing. And today I want to uh, talk some more about unconfined. And, and I especially think it would be appropriate in a day like today to, to recognize uh, how powerful it is for dads to, uh, to own um, breaking out of any of their own confinements, you know, things, uh, emotional issues that they might have or spiritual issues that they might have or work issues that they might have. In other words, uh, the greatest dad is a dad that's, that's broken out, broken into everything that God wants that dad to be. Uh, and the same is for moms, too, but this isn't mom's day. So moms, back up, because this is our day today. And um, so, yeah. But, uh, you know, I'm, um, I've been on this for a few weeks looking at Gideon in the Old Testament. And um, I just want to keep reminding us, because there's so many pressures that come against us that try to push us in and try to confine us that I want to keep reminding everybody that God wants us to live open and expansive lives. Uh, and uh, the enemy is always wanting to contain us and confine us into smaller and smaller places. Uh, and he continues to make them smaller. As soon as he gets us in one smaller place, he'll, he'll close the walls in even further. And, uh, you know, with what our world has gone through in the past few months, it would be easy for people to get confinement kind of running their life right now. And people are afraid to, they're afraid to get out or they're, you know, they're afraid to launch and, and it, it just can, can get on you emotionally, spiritually. Um, and it's important that we, that we keep breaking out. And so the enemy would love to contain our voice. Um, you know, I mean, I'm reading of a guy who liked a tweet, a great pastor liked a tweet uh, and and somebody may, issued a complaint about it, and they they the city that he's in shut down two of their church campuses. Uh, it's just because he liked a tweet about something. He didn't even say anything; just liked it. And so, how many of you know the enemy wants to contain our voice? And this is no time for our voice to get less. This is a time for our voice to get louder because the hope of the world is flowing through the house of God. And, uh, and you know, uh, the, the enemy would love to contain our love. Uh, you get hurt enough times and it gets hard to love people. You, you, can, you can get closed in, but you got to keep breaking out of that. Uh, the enemy would love to contain our resources, our reach uh, as a church, our reach as individuals. He'd love to contain our thinking, uh, you got to guard your thinking because not every thought you have is a good thought. Amen. Turn, look at your neighbor. 
Say that's true about you. Come on. You're socially distanced enough. Just turn and just point. Just say, it's you. He's talking about you. Uh, but it's so true. Uh, we are, are thinking, are believing, are living. God wants us living in overflow. The enemy wants us in containment. God wants abundance. God wants increase. God wants flourishing. God wants much fruitfulness. The enemy wants lack. He wants decrease. He wants poverty to run our lives. And, and we got to keep remembering this, that God himself is unlimited. Uh, it, it's, it's our capacity uh, of thinking and believing and willingness to act and willingness to speak um, that, is, that, can, that can open the gates for him to flow through. And, you know, there's definitely some legitimate boundaries that we all have to consider in life. You get married, that's, <laughs> you're, that's it, you're done. Uh, you're committed to that. Make that thing work. Amen. And it's a boundary. It's, it's an important boundary to, to recognize. And uh, I think another good boundary is do the job you get paid for. Man, another good boundary is show up for work on time and work while you're at work. Uh, I think another great boundary for us, especially in the day we live in, is to love and respect others whether they are the same color as us or a different color, it doesn't matter. Uh, you know, we're, those are the boundaries that we're going to live in. We're, we're just going to love everybody. Here's a good boundary. Uh, don't spend more than you make. Amen. Somebody say, oh, me. So what I want to talk about for a few minutes today is uh, this section of Gideon's story, uh, Judges chapter 7. It says, Jeroboam, verse 1, that is Gideon, and all the people who were with him rose early and camped beside the spring of Herod, and the camp of Midian was on the north side of them by the hill of Morah in the valley. Anybody feel inspired yet? Okay. Uh, and the Lord said to Gideon, the people who are with you are too many for me to give Midian into their hands, lest Israel become boastful, saying, My own power has delivered me. Now therefore come, proclaim in the hearing of the people, saying, Whoever is afraid and trembling, let him return and depart from Mount Gilead. So 22,000 people returned, but 10,000 remained. Then the Lord said to Gideon, The people are still too many. Bring them down to the water, and I will test them for you there. I will test them for you there. Therefore, it shall be that he of whom I say to you, this one shall go with you, he shall go with you. But every one of whom I say to you, shall not go with you, he shall not go. So he brought the people down to the water, and the Lord said to Gideon, you shall separate everyone who laps the water with his tongue, as a dog laps, as well as everyone who kneels to drink. Now the number of those who lapped, putting their hand to their mouth, was 300 men. All the rest of the people kneeled to drink water. And the Lord said to Gideon, I will deliver you with 300 men who lapped and will give the Midianites into your hands. So let all the other people go, each man to his house. So the 300 men, from 32,000 to 300, took the people's provisions and their trumpets into their hands. And the Lord and Gideon sent all the other men of Israel, each to his tent, 
but retained the 300 men, and the camp of Gideon was below him in the valley. Today I want to talk about when God cleans house for you. When, whenever, as you read all the stories in, in the Bible, especially Old Testament stories, uh, whenever God gets ready to make a move, he, he often cleans house. Uh, and I think this message matters to us uh, right now because it's possible that the COVID-19 season has uh, set you back some, uh, has, has caused loss to happen in your world at some level, or you feel like things have been taken away from you. And what I'm here today to say is what you think you lost may in fact be God cleaning house for you. I don't think Gideon would have chosen this plan. <laughs> God, I've, we've got 32,000. Let's just, let's just pare it down to 300. That, that sounds like a great idea. And I think all of us, uh, when we think about it, we recognize that sometimes we have to clean things up before we can move forward. I'm, I'm a big advocate of the idea of, of I cannot work on a cluttered desk. You know, when there's all kinds of stuff all over the place and uh, I look around it and I, I just, I get distracted, this thing happening, that thing happening, this thing calls for my attention. And, you, and everybody who, who talks about working in that sort of environment will tell you, you need to clear everything off and make sure you get focused on one project at a time or you get distracted. Uh, every once in a while, uh, you know, you can't imagine the wires that run through these buildings <laughs> uh, for sound, for video, for screens in the other building, uh, in the annex, for all over. And uh, every once in a while, when we when we go to, I don't know why it happens, but uh, it's we go to rewire things or we go to run wires, and we find that. Uh, that all these wires and processors and things that are patched together and things that have just been put together quickly, it, it all becomes like gack. That's a good word, gack. It, it's, it, and it, it's just all clogged up. And sometimes you just got to clean it all up, undo it all, and rewire it again. You, you know, if you have a computer, you know this, that sometimes your computer can get clogged and you've got to defrag it. You've got to clean up the disk. And what I think is important to, to, to own is understanding that life can get clogged up. You know, the, the, the flow can, can get clogged. And, uh, and we may have to clean things up on occasion in our world. And God works cleaning things up in our world. I think there's, there's many reasons why we experience loss in life or setbacks in life. And I think all of us would love for life to just be up and to the right always. But the truth is, things don't work that way. Life doesn't work that way. It's, there, are, there are losses that, that catapult us into greater futures. And when we first experience the loss, we, we don't quite get why is this happening to me. And sometimes 
when we lose out. It's just simply we were dumb. Hello? Anybody ever done something that, and just realized that was dumb? Should not have said that. <laughs> Should not have done that. That was dumb. You know, uh, Proverbs 19.3 says, The foolishness of man ruins his own way, and then his heart rages against the Lord. So they want, people want to blame the Lord, but in actuality, it was their choice. But the truth is, we've all made bad choices. We've all made bad decisions. Sometimes we lose out. Sometimes things get taken away from us because other people's choices and other people's actions. And it doesn't feel right. It doesn't feel fair when it happens. Sometimes it's just literally the, the devil stealing away from us. And, and sometimes it's God pruning us. It's God cleaning house for us. And I think often there's a combination of, of, of two or more of these factors at work. But I, I'm just going to speak words of encouragement to you today to let you know that whatever the reason that, that you may have experienced some loss and even recently experienced some loss, can I just say that God knows how to take it all and use it for your good? So, so, the, so God gets to work cleaning things out for Gideon. He, he clears out two types of people uh, from Gideon's army, and I believe these are two issues that you and I are going to have to face up to at some point if we want to break out of our own containment, our own confinement in life. And God separates out uh, the group of people, the fearful group, and the indulgent group. So, so, so 22,000 people of 32,000 are let go, sent back to the house because of fear. Fear is not your friend. Fear, fear will keep you locked up into small places. When you're afraid to try, when you're afraid to fail, when you're afraid to get back up again after you have failed, when, when you become afraid of what others might think or what others might say, you know, that's Suzanne and I were having this conversation. It's like, no matter what you, if you're on social media, whatever, no matter what you post, somebody's going to dislike it. So somebody's going to have a problem with it. And it can get to the point where you're afraid to say anything, afraid of what others might think. How many of you know that that makes your voice get smaller and smaller? It makes your, your attempts to reach out, to expand your world, to obey God, to touch people, gets, gets enclosed. The Holy Spirit says, you need to talk to that person, and your fear can keep you from doing it. One of the most uh, often heard commands in the Bible is, fear not. It's not like God looks at fear as like, oh, I'm sorry, you know, I know it's tough for you. He's, he really speaks straight to it and says, not your friend, not going to help you. 
Fear not. Everybody say, fear not. And so, so the Lord sends the fearful, uh, the fearful home, 22,000 of them. And then he, he puts another uh, clean house episode in for Gideon. And he says, okay, so we're going to come up to some water. And there's going to be two types of people that drink that water. There's going to be one type of person that goes down and they lap the water with their hand and they keep their head up. But there's going to be another kind that's going to just put their head down and drink water. I hope I can get back up on the second service when I do that. And I think, I think it's important to understand that the blessing of the Lord is to empower you to make a difference for others. Now, don't mistake, God does love you enough to bless you. Please. It's not all about others, but it can, it can become that what we intend. So this happens in church life. People go, I need a break. I'm burnt out. But all of a sudden, they stay on their break one year, two years, three years. And what was supposed to be a season of refreshment, they've just stuck their head down in it. Amen. I'm preaching the truth right here in church. God loves to send times of refreshing, but sometimes we can lock ourselves up by, by just burying our head. We can get so caught up in the blessing that God gives that we forget to continue to serve and worship the God who gave the blessing. I know what I'm talking about because I've seen people that God has helped them and blessed them and all of a sudden they don't have time for church on Sunday anymore. They don't have time to be in church to pray, to worship, or to serve, or to be a part of what's going on. Hey, listen, if we get so caught up in the blessing of God that we forget to serve Him and we forget to worship Him, we're missing the plot. We're missing the plan. Amen. And so, so what, what God wants for all of us is, is a, a, a free spirit. Uh, the Bible calls it liberty. And there's, there's two ditches on, on, on either side of that road. You know, one ditch is the license ditch. I can just do whatever I want. Grace covers it all. And then there's another ditch that's on the other side of the road that's legalism that says, I'm going to regulate everything by rules. And it's possible to get caught in one ditch or another, to, to, to go, you know, okay, this blessing thing, I'm done with that, so I'm going to get in this legalistic ditch. Or this liberty thing, this, you know, I, the grace of God covers everything, and all of a sudden you, you, can, you can get yourself in trouble. It's possible to get all clogged up. Come on, anybody ever feel clogged up before? 
right? Mark 4, Jesus has, has given us this uh, great teaching on the parable of the sower and the seed. And he says, verse 18, others are ones on whom seed was sown among the thorns. These are the ones who've heard the word. They've been in church. They've listened to all the messages. But the worries of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke. Everybody say choke. Choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. What a, what a, what a sad commentary that God would forgive us, set us free, put us in right relationship with him, cause his blessing to come into our life. But all of a sudden, we, uh, we, a life that has been fruitful is now getting choked out. It, no wonder it's a good thing when God says, hey, I'm going to help you out. <laughs> I'm coming to clean house for you. Right? John, this is what John 15 is about, right? Verse 2, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes it away. But every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it so that it may bear more fruit. The word prunes literally means he cleanses. We have some pretty significant gardens around our house, and every year uh, I, have, I have this guy that comes in with his crew, and they, they prune back all the plants in our garden. And I remember the first time we did this, it's like everything got pruned back so much, <laughs> I thought... <laughs> What are, the, what are you guys doing? Do you know what you're doing? And now that I've experienced one year, two years, three years, ten years of watching things get pruned back in a way that felt like it was too much, it's always produced something that is intentional and beautiful. I hope you get what I'm aiming at here. Pruning takes place so that the life of God that's in us can flow to where fruit can be born. And rather than a bunch of clogged up branches taking up space, taking up the life of the tree, life gets directed toward fruitfulness. There's just seasons in all of our lives, and I think we've been in one, where we have to clear out the old to make room for the new. Come on, you got clothes in your closet, you ain't never going to fit in those again. Come on. <laughs> I know somebody's going, is he about done with this message? Because You got paint. You got paint cans in your basement. You are never going to use that paint again. But you keep it. You just hold on to it just in case. How many of you think it's possible that you got some old ways of thinking? You got some old attitudes. They're not helping you anymore. Right? You got some old habits. They're not helping you. You know, and I think sometimes 
as with Gideon, I think sometimes God clears people out of our lives. I think one of the greatest impacts that could ever happen to us is the people we hang around with. Because you pick up their spirit. You pick up their outlook. You pick up their faith or their doubt, their cynicism or their positivity. And one of my favorite stories is uh, Naomi and Ruth and Orpah. Uh, and so Naomi is, uh, has a husband, and then they have two sons. The sons marry Ruth and Orpah. But then in just a quick turn of events, Naomi's husband dies, her two sons die. So now these three ladies, in a, in a culture and society that, that single women would not be able to function in a strong way, usually, so they are put in a pretty desperate situation. And Ruth 1, verse 14, says, They lifted up their voices and wept again, and Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clung to her. Then she said, Behold, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and her gods. Return after your sister-in-law. Ruth said, Do not urge me to leave you or turn back from following you. For where you go, I will go. Where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people, your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. And there I'll be buried. Thus may the Lord do to me and worse, <clears throat> if anything but death parts you and me. When she saw that she was determined to go with her, she said no more. It's good to have friends like Ruth who will stick with you when you're not winning. Stick with you because they love you. They stick with you because they feel called to you. Some people only hang out with you because they like what's happening for them when things are going well for you. And Naomi had nothing left to offer to Ruth or to Orpah, but somehow Ruth knew her destiny was tied up with Naomi. Orpah kissed her. You're great. Naomi, but I'm out of here. Ruth clung to her. You know, there's some people that were part of your story that are no longer part of your story. And learning how to let them go without shooting them on the way out. <laughs> Come on. And learning that that is what happens in life. Anybody you have to beg to stay with you is not joined to you. Amen. Their, their part in the story is over, and there's nothing wrong with that. Some, some people, their part in the story changes, and that's okay. Some people are literally bad for you. Right? Come on. Not everybody that's good to you is good for you. And there are toxic relationships that are not helpful at all 
And praise God when he helps us. <laughs> sometimes he helps us, but sometimes he says, you got to make a decision. All throughout the Old Testament, you're going to find times where God says, okay, we're about ready to go at this. You guys, you've messed up, but we're going to clean up and we're going to go at it again. And this is just one of, of dozens of passages I could have chosen. But Joshua 7, verse 13, Israel had just suffered an embarrassing loss to Ai, uh, the town of Ai. They should not have lost to them. And uh, the Bible says, verse, Joshua 7, 13, rise up, consecrate the people and say, consecrate yourselves for tomorrow. Forget about yesterday. <laughs> Consecrate yourselves for tomorrow. Everybody say for tomorrow. For tomorrow. God is about ready to send them in again. They had gone in before and somebody had kept the spoils, the tithes of Jericho, and it ruined them for Ai. And it says, consecrate yourselves for tomorrow. For that's the God of Israel has said, there are things under the ban in your midst, O Israel. You cannot before your enemies until you have removed the things under the ban from your midst. Mm. I, I, just, I think we got to look at this in a, in a positive light. To, to recognize that when God comes in to clean house, when God starts dealing with your own soul, about stuff to let go of. When God starts taking things away, the truth is, it's just a clean house before a launch into tomorrow. So here's my encouragement to you guys. Come on, let's, let's clean house as we launch into this new season. We've never had a COVID-19 season before. I refuse to use the word unprecedented. <laughs> we've never had that before. But we've also never had an emergence out of a season like that. So this is a new day, a fresh day for us. Let's embrace the things that God has cleaned out for us. Come on. Hey, let's get our heads straight. Let's just do it. Let's get our heart right. Let's get our attitudes right. Let's get our relationships right. And launch into tomorrow. I want to pray with everybody. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes for a moment. Father, we come before you. We just, we know we have this tendency to collect dust. We need you to wash our feet again. So we come before you this morning. Father, every person in this room, every person that's watching online, we just open our hearts up to you and say, God, we, we want to live in a clean house. We want you to help us. And so we open our hearts to you. Father, today, help us, Father, not with condemnation, but with, with life. Speak into our world. God, it's time to let the past go. Time to let the old thinking go. The old ways, let them go. And Father, empower us to walk into tomorrow. With your heads bowed, your eyes closed, even as you're watching online, maybe you're here, maybe you're listening to this and you've not surrendered to Jesus, I would love to pray with you. Maybe you're here 
And the truth is, you know your relationship with the Lord is not in the place it used to be. You're not walking with God the way you did in the past. Come on, this is a great day to come home. Or maybe you just feel unsure about where you stand. And I don't know how it all gets clogged up for you or for me, but I know it does. And there's no condemnation. But let, come on, let's, let's, let's move in to a, a great place of communion with the Lord. So if you're here today uh, and you say, Pastor, pray with me. I, I want to surrender to Jesus or I want to come back to Jesus. I, wanna, I just want to know for sure I'm right with God. I want you to raise your hand real high and say, that's me. Maybe, and really just to the Lord, just to the Lord saying, God bless you. Come on, anybody just want to be honest and say, God, I, I'm, I'm ready to <laughs> clear out the pipes. I'm ready to, to open up my heart. Anybody else that wants to surrender to Jesus right now in a fresh way? Thank you so much. Let's pray this prayer together. Let's all pray it. Everybody say this with me. Everybody say, Lord Jesus, I need you. I want you in my world as my Lord. I know I have sinned. I have messed up. But I come to the cross where you've paid the price for my forgiveness. Today is a fresh start. It's a new beginning as I surrender to Jesus. Help me become the person you created me to be. Amen. Come on, let's thank the Lord. Amen.